there's a great test that was done at a seminary to see if people would pay attention to somebody who was sitting on the steps in pain and dressed like they were homeless. And they wanted to see if the students would pay attention to this person on the steps. Specifically, they had students in a speech class. They gathered them in one room and the speech would be in another room. To get to that room, they'd have to pass by this man, even step over him sitting on the steps and he would moan pain and the students were given one of three speeches either they were to say about what they enjoyed about being at seminary why were they there or they gave a speech about the good samaritan or they gave a speech about their favorite bible verse what they found was whatever speech they gave did not determine if they stopped to help the man most people in the first group stopped to help the man the second group of people though 95 percent didn't stop in help and the one thing they changed is before the student left to go to the room to give the speech, the teacher told them, you are late. The ones that were told you are late, 95% did not stop to help the man on the steps. Again, even if they had to step over him. And what the test shows is once we are just thinking about ourselves, we delete a lot of things and don't notice other people. When we're only thinking about our own needs in that moment, we don't even see other people around us. We want to talk about a way, though, to make sure that we're growing spiritually in a healthy way with just not our own life, but relationships and knowing other people's needs, helping them, getting out of our own head. Monica does a Peloton training every morning. Trainer she likes, Robin Arzon, says this your new life is going to cost you your old excuses. There are some things we're going to talk about today that you're going to have to do if you want to see things differently than you have before and some things that may be uncomfortable to do. This lady here, Emily Garfield, she recovered from cancer. But I love the quote here with Tony Robbins. She recovered from cancer, but she originally, as a child, spent two years in the hospital fighting cancer. Went into remission, then years later as an adult, she was married, had children, cancer returned. She told people she was feeling sick, went to doctors, told her husband. Eventually, though, her husband didn't want to hear any more about her illness, said something very cruel. He said to her, nobody cares about your illness and nobody is going to love you. And then he left and she got depressed and got very ill. And traditional treatments were not having an impact. So she went to a, a person that believed in, in healing and prayer and meditation. And when she met this person, he said something that changed her life. He said, you are going to die of anger before you die of cancer. She had so much resentment built up against her husband and, and the painful thing he said and other people. And she realized beating this cancer, she was going to have to grow spiritually in herself and and she credits coming overcoming cancer with things like prayer meditation getting spiritually healthy and not holding on to that anger and bitterness anymore tony robbins says it well here's the quote fear is imagination undirected fear is imagination undirected it's allowing thoughts to just run their course without stopping them from running their course when they are those negative thoughts the things we worry about worry about the future Imagine about pains in the past, these sorts of things. Fear is just imagination undirected. Now, faith is when you consciously decide, this is what I'm going to perceive. This is the meaning I'm going to give to this moment. 
With that thought, let's look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13, a familiar verse. We're going to focus on the first half. Here's the whole verse which says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. Everybody knows the second half. God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Let's focus on that first part, though. No temptation that is not common to man. The New Living Translation says there's no different temptation from what others experience. The Brian says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. King James, you have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. The CEV says, you are tempted in the same way everyone else is tempted. And the NET says, no trial has overtaken you that is not faced by others. The idea here is that there's nothing that you and I face that people have not faced basically since Adam and Eve, including thoughts, thoughts of defeat, thoughts of rejection, thoughts of fear. Everybody in here has been through challenges. Some have been through ultimate pain, but we all have experienced in some sense the same thoughts, fears about what do people think or what if I won't be loved or what if I get rejected or what if I fail? Well, to stop and say, you know what, these are common thoughts. Since they're common thoughts, we are not these thoughts then. Everybody has these thoughts. And when you realize that, you can stop and say, this thought goes all the way back to Adam. So it's not just me. It's a common thought. And I don't want to be a common person anymore. So let's live in an uncommon way and have different thoughts. Fear is just imagination undirected. So let's begin to claim our thinking so that it is the right type of thinking. We've talked before, you know, studies about the brain. The brain is not there to, to seek out happiness. It is there to, to find problems. We have that instinct like the fight or flight. The brain is there to constantly look for negativity. That's why the news constantly brings negativity because they know that's what attracts people to listen. You see, and when people listen, they pay attention to that channel. They get more advertisers. It's not about trying to give information. It's about hooking you in, and they do that by negativity. This past week, Monica and I have talked about this before. You know, you've got Netflix is about 10 bucks a month, unlimited stuff to watch. Well, we canceled it this week because there are people on the news and on the media that know they can grab your attention by things like negativity. And so, for instance, Netflix, if you watch some of the new shows within the first basically five minutes, you'll see they constantly have characters that will dismiss traditional marriage or the importance of family or the importance of faith. And we watched a new show. And sure enough, within about three minutes, the characters started to mock things like that. And we said no more. And so we canceled it this week because you want to control what's coming into your mind. And I'm not here to, to say what somebody should think or believe when it comes to politics, but a study came out this week, what's going on in our culture. They had focus groups to stop and say, how do you get more viewers with all this going on with the discussions about the president? And they said, you know, should we use a word? They had focus groups in different states. Do you think the word quid quo pro is more intense or do you think the word bribery is more intense and all the focus groups said oh bribery so if you notice the past few days they stopped saying things like quid pro quo they say bribery now and why do they say that because it hooks people gets them upset then they watch then more advertisers on and on and on because people are hijacking the knowing how your brain works until you take conscious control of it and say, I'm not going to be caught up in common anymore. I'm going to control my thoughts and th see things different from that different place, get a different result. Chris Carr, for instance, a triple organ transplant survivor, says it like this, don't shrink to meet the expectations of others. Grow to become the person you want to be.
So let's talk about some uncommon ways to do that very thing. Remembering again, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's no temptation overtaking you except what is common to man. No trial is overtaking you that is not faced by others. What you are facing, others have faced. Others have those thoughts. Others are having those thoughts right now. As Anthony Robbins says, learn to anticipate thoughts. The idea is then to stop identifying with the thought when you recognize everybody else has a similar thought. So, for instance, maybe a child grew up and their parents said, you know, you're stupid or you're dumb, and they become an adult. They have resentments about that. They relive that. They stop going over it and saying, you know, I'm not dumb. I'm not dumb. Rather than fighting that thought, just say, you know what, that thought is something countless other people experience because it's a fear of rejection, so it's common. Since it's common, it's just a thought that's out there. I'm not that thought. 2 Corinthians 2.11 is key in this discussion. Paul writing to Corinth, again, a place where there was a lot of immorality. Paul speaking about spiritual truth. And he writes to the Corinthians and he says this, We are not unaware of Satan's schemes. That word schemes, that word schemes there, it means mental trick or mental process. Or we might say today, mental game. We're not unaware of Satan's mental games. It's the same game that's been going on since Adam. Go back and look at things that have happened in your life. I can look at things in my life. Maybe something happened years ago and somebody said something. And what's the devil come along and do? He comes along and says, remember what that person says? Don't you remember how upset you were? Could have been something a week ago, 20 years ago. But the mental trick, the mental game is still the same. Trying to hijack your mind. Get you caught up in things. The media plays a big part in that as well. To, to get caught up in negativities and fears. Until you stop letting thoughts be undirected and say, this is a mental trick. It's a mental game. And I'm aware of how the game works. So I'm going to take hold of my own thoughts. I'm going to give meaning to situations that I choose. And I'm going to stand on the promise and say, I'm not that thought. Rather, I am who Christ says I am, a child of the king. Proverbs 6, 26. This is where Satan wants people to live. Proverbs 6.26, King James says, By means of immorality is a man brought to a piece of bread. The word English says reduced to a piece of bread. What does that mean? Well, what's more worthless essentially than a simple piece of bread? Sin left unchecked, habitual sin, not surrendered and sought in Christ to be forgiven, brings people to a piece of bread. People look at their life and they think, you know, things are not working out. I must have bad luck. We need to stop and say, you know what? Is there something in my life that is not what it should be? Sin left unchecked. Maybe you think of your relationship and you say, you know what? It feels at times like it's a piece of bread, feeling worthless. Maybe it's a career, financial situation. You think I never seem to to get ahead in my goals, whatever it might be. Devil's job is to try to come along, bring about compromise, create situations where we compromise to bring us to a piece of bread. The opposite of that, though, is to, is to trust every sin to be forgiven in Christ and to stand on his promise and say again, you know what? I'm royal in the kingdom of the king of kings. I don't need to fall for these mind tricks any longer. Robert Stevenson says this, Sooner or later in life, we all sit down to a banquet of consequences. We want to sit down to a banquet of consequences of living with love, 
or a banquet of consequences of living with angers and upsets? Which banquet would you rather choose? How do you live in the kingdom banquet? First Thessalonians 4.1, Paul simply says, be careful of your walk. Be careful of your walk. Are you walking in a way that's pleasing to Christ? Second thing he says, make sure that you please God. Way different than going back to the seminary study where when they thought they were late, all they thought about was their own fear of what people might think if they were late. Stepping over a man in need. Rather, make sure that you please God. Are you pleasing God in your marriage? Are you pleasing God in your finances? Are you pleasing God when nobody's watching and you have true character? And he says, if you walk in a certain way that pleases God, he says, the result is you will excel in your Christian life. The opposite of that piece of bread life that Satan wants to bring people to is that you excel in your Christian life. So here's something for couples, and this is for mature couples. This is not for couples that are upset with each other. We talked about that last week, some things to, to bridge that gap. If you're still in a place where you're upset with each other, this won't be something for you. But if you're in a healthy relationship and you want to see things be healed, maybe that your, your husband, your wife is facing and they've maybe been carrying for years, this is something by John Regier, and it's called the We Prayer. And, and maybe your spouse carries childhood hurts. Maybe it's something that's a wound from, from the last few years. Maybe it's decades ago, and, and they still seem to fight it and wrestle with it. Here's what's called the We Prayer where you can come along beside and say, let's find healing for this together. The idea behind a we prayer is to put yourself into your husband, your wife's pain, and pray with them for resolution of that pain. I'll give an example of a prayer. You don't have to re remember these words, but remember the basic principle here. And, and to start the prayer, for instance, you would then together say, God, we are your children. And I don't want my husband or wife to have that feeling of carrying that pain, whatever that is, to be specific. And maybe it's to carry that pain of what their parents said to them when they were 10 years old. So God, we are your children. I don't want my wife to experience this feeling anymore and be specific. The second thing is, God, we stand against Satan, causing this pain, this hurt, whatever it is, fill in the blank. And again, be very specific. Third thing is, God, we choose together to care about each other. We're your children. We stand against Satan, and we choose to care about each other. And then end by just simply stating something along the lines of, God, I pray that my husband, my wife, would be able to let go of the pain inside, let you bring peace to their heart. Again, to have a different life is to do things differently, to begin to direct our thinking so it's not directed by outside influences that don't have our best interest at heart. For husbands and wives that say, you know what, we're tired of being caught up in a trap that's maybe held one of us or both of us for, for years. Maybe a simple we prayer where you stand before God and say, God, we are your children. I don't want my spouse to feel this. We stand against the enemy and we choose together to care about each other. And I trust you're going to bring a sense of healing to their heart. So, if you consider, simple summary here, Tony Robbins puts it well. He says, suffering is obsessing only on self. When we lose sight of other people, lose sight of their needs, get caught up just in our own wants, 
We begin to delete what's important in life. And that's where the pain comes from. James 1 puts it like this. He says, count it joy when you fall into trial, knowing that testing produces patience. We all know that verse. But what is James really saying? He's saying, choose the meaning you give to a situation. Suffering is thinking only of self. James says, count it joy when you face a trial, because that trial produces patience. It's a, it's a time to stop and say, you know what? Here's the meaning I give to the trial. You know, God is trusting me with growth right now. Maybe God has given you resources very few people could have handled being given. So when you see the trials, James says, wow, that's a moment to stop and say, God is trusting that I can be given a test. He's about to grow my spiritual muscles. Doesn't mean it's comfortable. Doesn't mean that it's something that, that feels you know, positive by any means. It could be very painful moments. But the reality is, if we think carefully and deliberately, make it a matter of choice and allow God to use what he's allowed into our life and see it to accomplish a greater purpose for his glory, it changes the meaning of some of that pain in our life. As Tony Robbins says, you are not your feelings, thoughts, or behaviors. Recognize that is not my thought, but my brain's thought. Then trade the thought for appreciation. Again, we want to walk in a way that pleases God so we excel in all things. Maybe it's doing the we prayer with your husband or your wife. Maybe it's cutting out those past excuses because you want to have a new life. And ultimately, you can take in any moment, trade your thoughts for appreciation. Maybe simply doing heart math as we've talked before and you place your hand on your heart and say, you know what, I appreciate in this moment, even though things may be chaotic, I appreciate in this moment a heart that beats 100,000 times a day without me having to, to make that happen. It's just automatic. Trade that thought for appreciation. No matter what situation you and I are facing, the reality is right now here in this moment, there's a baby being born somewhere, the dream of a husband, a wife. You see, and the reality is, we come to a place and we can say, you know what, here in this moment right now, no matter what we might be facing, somewhere right now, a family is laughing so hard they can hardly breathe. Right now, a couple somewhere is falling in love. Right now, somebody is surrendering their life to Christ and sensing freedom from sins that maybe they've carried that burden for a lifetime, suddenly they know true freedom and they sense the weight of the world being lifted off their shoulder. Right now in this moment, there are people, biggest dream they ever had just came true. Trade those thoughts for appreciation. We can any moment just stop and say, you know what, I trade this moment and I appreciate millions of people right now around the world are experiencing ultimate joy and peace because God, the unconditional love, the offer of forgiveness, the promise of his presence. This is Natalie Gilbert. 13 years old, an eighth grader. She won a contest. She got a chance to sing the national anthem a cappella, at the Trailblazers basketball game. She had the flu, but she didn't want to miss this opportunity. 
she stepped out in front of this massive crowd to sing the national anthem and she suddenly just forgot the words getting ready to break down and cry in front of the crowd suddenly the coach of the trailblazers maury's cheeks walks out puts his arm around her reminds her of the words and begins to sing with her invites the crowd to begin to sing and loudly the entire place begins to share in the national anthem and when they get to the final verse there was thunderous cheering as they reached the words oh the land of the free and the home of the brave all because a man stepped into another person's world at their greatest moment of need and said let me help ultimate expression of that for you and me is Christ but he calls us now to step into other people's lives step into the world wherever that need is and simply say you know what father here I am send me to be your hands to be your feet to be your voice of truth and grace wherever that is to be for you for me Let us choose to live differently, children of the King, that he might be honored in all things.